Welcome to the podcast. Today, Glenn starts the show drunk. I, I, I didn't want to. We didn't think it was going to happen. It's sad. He's recovering, but uh, he just couldn't help himself. So, uh, a little coronavirus drunk news edition. We talk about um, uh, the small business problem that we're having in this country right now, which is massive. Pat Gray joins us. Uh, we have the governor of South Dakota on. Uh, they just launched the first clinical trial statewide of hydroxychloroquine. Um, and she talks about what it's like in a state that's, you know, not getting hit very hard with coronavirus, yet having to deal with a lot of the same issues uh, from uh, the government, um, as well as uh, Dr. Kelly Ward. She's on to talk about the way the left is using coronavirus to push for nationalized health care. There's a lot of that going on, plus uh, how annoying Zoom calls are. Because that, I think, is most is, is the thing that's affecting most of us right at this moment. Uh, you can check out the podcast, of course, uh, every day here. Why, if you subscribe, please rate and review the podcast as well, and check out Stu Does America as well. My show, you can subscribe, rate, and review. It's great. Whatever, you know, do do that there. Also, uh, I want to tell you about Glenn's special tonight. It's called Arguing with Healthcare Socialists. You want to make sure you check that out. You can watch it on Pluto TV for free, YouTube for free, uh, as well as Blaze TV if you're a subscriber. Well, you don't need to hear this, but if you're not, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save 30 bucks. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right, let's do our uh, coronavirus update. The case is worldwide now over 2 million. Uh, really, only up 40,000, 50,000 from yesterday, which is great. Total confirmed deaths worldwide up only 7,000. Total confirmed recovered almost 500,000. The U.S. now has 614,000 confirmed cases and 26,000 deaths. That is up from yesterday quite a bit 587 yesterday uh and 23,644 deaths uh, yesterday the u.s now leads the world in both total cases and deaths from covid 19 but it is 15th in deaths per 1 million people 19th in cases per 1 million uh people officially all 50 states now have at least one death attributed to covid 19 uh, just a note: the uh, on the you know on the scale side, if you will, traffic-related fatalities in the U.S. were down by 23 percent, uh, as opposed to the same month in 2019. So we saved some lives by not going out and doing anything. Are we at the peak? We think it was the peak yesterday. The death toll in the U.S. increased after New York included at-home COVID-19 fatalities for the very first time. They had 270 deaths yesterday that were attributed to the virus from people who died at home in New York City. New York City's health department says the total death toll now is 10,000, including the 3,700 total deaths that were added on Tuesday That included the backlog of several thousand people who died at home and were not counted as COVID-19 deaths. Health officials have cautioned the deaths are a lagging indicator. They don't mean that the sweeping stay-at-home restrictions are a failure. Um, The peak in deaths across the U.S. is expected this week, according to the CDC. So... 
the who do we have the audio of uh, donald trump yesterday in an announcement in the rose garden he said this i'm instructing my administration to halt funding of the world health organization while a review is conducted to assess the world health organization's role in severely mismanaging and covering up the spread of the coronavirus. Everybody knows what's going on there. American taxpayers provide between $400 million and $500 million per year to the WHO. In contrast, China contributes roughly $40 million a year and even less. As the organization's leading sponsor, the United States has a duty to insist on full accountability. One of the most dangerous and costly decisions from the WHO was its disastrous decision to oppose travel restrictions from China and other nations. They were very much opposed to what we did. Fortunately, I was not convinced and suspended travel from China. All right. So here's the real uh, bell that rang yesterday. It is a it's a memo from December 2019 from epidemiologists in Taiwan. They issued an urgent memo to the WHO about numerous cases of atypical pneumonia in Wuhan, China. And the memo suggests that there is human to human transmission and urged the WHO to prevent uh, to uh, prevent uh, f- uh, further testing to find the pathogen. The WHO ignored the warnings from Taiwan and continued to reiterate all of China's false talking points that there was no evidence of human human transmission, that it was no big deal. And that was that went on until January 14th. Remember, this is in December. This is before anybody really even knows about it. Two days earlier, by January 12th, more than 700 people had been hospitalized. 102 had died in Wuhan. They failed to mandate uh, that Chinese officials share the strains that would have allowed all kinds of diagnostic tests. Taiwan was way ahead of this. Here's the problem. Why didn't the WHO listened to the epidemiologists uh, from Taiwan. I'm not making this up because Taiwan doesn't exist. Taiwan is just an arm of China. And so we don't accept any information from Taiwan. We get all of our information about China from Jada. Here's the problem with the withholding of the funding. Congress holds the purse strings Will Congress hold back that money and stop paying the WHO? My guess, no. So is social distancing actually happening? A study of mobile phone data shows only 35% of Americans are following stay-at-home orders across the U.S. I find this story absolutely infuriating. A study including thousands of mobile phones tracked from all 50 states. On average, they say Americans were still taking two non-work-related trips out by car per day. Utah, Colorado, New Mexico were the worst offending states with over 2.5 non-working trips out of the house by car each day. Stu, you're a numbers guy. Yes. Any questions on this study? 
at this point? Because that doesn't seem right, does it? 35% of Americans are staying home. Everybody else is violating this. Right. I, I totally question their, their, the, the, the assumptions of the study, right? Like, it, just because you're going out of your house a couple of times does not mean you're not doing the oh. whole social dis- distancing thing. Oh. Right? I, be, oh. If you're going out, first of all, uh, right. we all have, uh, we can go to get groceries we can go for a drive mm-hmm. and not end up anywhere you can go out to get gas mm-hmm. you can go out to do lots of things what do you mean non-essential mm-hmm. trips that's a bizarre way of looking at uh-huh. it uh-huh so uh these trips include fast food restaurants which you can go into a fast food restaurant and yeah. you can be completely safe that's part of it mm-hmm. uh it includes hardware stores and home improvement stores and that one that one's a little dicey because uh, I think it is essential for our sanity to be able to ha- go to the Home Depot and uh, do some things around the house. Otherwise, there's nothing else we can do. Uh, but so hardware storms, which which is they are essential. They're on the essential uh, um, uh, list. And the other one is grocery stores. Well, all of those are on the essential list. The two of them are food. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a stupid study. And not to mention, stupid I hate the study. fact that they, I mean, I get it. We all know our data is out there, but the fact that these people are so easily able to put together these tracking studies oh. of everywhere we've gone is that's what revealing. It sh- that's what it should be. I want, an, I want a study on how fast these guys have found ways to track all of us. And nobody seems to have a problem uh, about it. Uh, by the way, Texas was among the most compliant states with just below two trips out per person per day so far in April. I think this is garbage. I'd like to know with the 2.5 non-work trips, I'd like to know if they went to hardware stores, grocery stores or restaurants. I count that as in compliance. So what's the real number? Now, here's the latest study on covid and how it spread. Air conditioning systems may help spread the virus. My comment, I don't care. (laughs) If you think I'm going to turn off my air conditioning unit, I'm not going to. Take me to prison. Burn me at the stake. I'm not shutting off my air conditioning unit. Period. By the way, uh, five new viruses have been found to live in bats. My comment... Can we stop experimenting with bats? I'm just saying might be a good idea. (laughs) And finally, the CDC's plan to reopen America. Uh, And this one's better than the California uh, list. Any state reopening must meet four conditions. The incident of infection is genuinely low. Now, what does that mean? What is genuinely low, Stu? Uh, Is New York genuinely low? No, I would say definitely New York is not genuinely low. Uh, And and the problem here, of course, is testing is not not Uh even. Okay. Like, for example, we're doing doing far less tests than some other states here in Texas, even though we have a large population. It's also not Mm -hmm. randomized. So we're not just taking people off of the street and finding out if they have COVID-19 that way you'd be able to tell how many people are actually sick and asymptomatic and contagious. Mm-hmm. We're instead just mm-hmm. testing people with symptoms. 
Um, but still, I mean, you can get something out of that. Uh, I, I don't know what they have to have an actual metric, though. They can't just say eh, kind of low. Genuinely low. Genuinely low. Right. Is they not can't a good, say that. No, well, you got to come up with some sort of no, metric. No, that's that. the, right. The next one is a well-functioning monitoring system capable of promptly detecting any increase in incidence of infection. What the hell is that? What does that mean? A well-functioning monitoring system? Excuse me? Part of that is quick reporting, right? Like on these cases, we've noticed one thing that was, is really frustrating is Sundays and Mondays tend to have really bad reporting because they're reporting the deaths from the previous day and those days are weekend days. So like these deaths are they're happening, but they're not getting reported for two and three days, which is why yesterday's number was the highest it was. But the day before that was right. a really encouraging number. Uh, so it could be that. Right. You know, I keep going back to this thing with the thermometers where uh, they have these internet connected thermometers. Kinza is one of the brands and they have a sort of a heat map that was able to detect a lot of these breakouts early because a lot of people were taking their temperature and they were seeing fevers. Uh, Like if we're going to spend another $2 trillion, let's say on another package, maybe it would make sense to uh, optionally, and that's important, optionally provide these types of thermometers to people so they can take their temperature and we can have, again, uh, aggregated data, not specific to you, but aggregated data so we can see when there's a flare up in a particular uh, area and we should increase testing there, right? Like that type of stuff makes sense. It doesn't seem like anybody's talking about that. But uh, what they're talking about, the way you do this, of course, is South Korea or Hong Kong or, you know, those types of situations, which there's way too much monitoring there to fit into our Constitution. So I don't know how you do this exactly while maintaining the rights that we are supposed to have in this country. Well, you'll get your rights back as soon as you do these four things. And I'm only on thing number three. Oh, good. Uh, The public health system is reacting robustly to all cases of COVID-19 and has surge capacity to react to an increase in cases. Okay. And a health system at this point. I mean, this is the United uh, States of America here. A health system that has enough inpatient beds and staffing to rapidly scale up and deal with a surge in cases. Well, two out of the out of the four seem not real vague and seem like we should be able to do it. But what is reacting robustly to all cases of covid-19? I have no idea. This is this is the CDC's. Uh, standard on being able to open the country back up and let you out of your house. This is insane that we're even talking about this. This is this is child's play compared to what uh, California is is asking for and uh, how they're going to open up California again. We are headed for an interesting few weeks, to say the least. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Mr. Pat Gray is uh, joining us now from Pat Gray Unleashed, the podcast that you can hear 
on most of this network. Uh, and uh, also, you can get him uh, at uh, uh, at any time with his podcast. Hello, Pat. Hello, Glenn. I'm so glad to so glad to talk to you and, oh. uh, and see mm. that you're still mm-hmm. you're still around. You're still kicking. It's good news for, so far for so many. So yeah. many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe I'd, I'd like to show you the new Mao trophy uh, that we're giving away. It is uh, a statue of Chairman Mao. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an honor just to be nominated <laughs> to win the Mao. Um, but uh, we're going to we're going to award this maybe maybe Friday, uh, maybe next week. We'll see. Um, but uh in this this Mao trophy has got to go to the right recipient and i would like people to start nominating who the biggest tyrant i'm sorry who the biggest maoist is uh in Mm. america right now and i mean i think there's lots of people to choose from there is the the governor of michigan there is the governor of kentucky governor Uh, of kentucky is great the sheriff of uh in uh in in uh, los angeles Mm -hmm. uh, is really quite Mm -hmm. good even the governor of of virginia uh might be a good might be a good Mm -hmm. candidate Mm -hmm. for this so Mm -hmm. you have a nomination you would like to for me it is it's got to be it's got to be andy Bashir of kentucky i he's done such a great job in clamping down on people in his state yeah which is you know a mostly uh, a majority republican state and so i it makes it even more profound what he has done there the the good work he has done keeping people out of church keeping people in their homes and uh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not allowing anybody to do anything in the state of kentucky it's i'm so glad that they got rid of matt bevin yeah, I think the ankle bracelets uh, on people who refuse to stay at home. I think that was a nice touch that nice. really only mm-hmm. only Mao really would have tried to pull off in Kentucky. I mean, can that's you great. imagine in a state like Kentucky, that's the kind of stuff that's going on right now. That is it's stunning, really. It's, you know, and if, fortunately, people are starting to push back a little bit. People are getting a little bit nervous about this or get a little pissed off about this and they're starting to stick up for the rights i love the people who are getting into their car and putting together protests me too you know they're all they're all going to the you know the mayor's office mm-hmm. or the and they're all staying in their car they're just doing tea party <laughs> rallies in their car which i think is tremendous tremendous yeah. by the way if you're organizing one of those for the state for your state or community i'd love to hear from you i'd also like to hear your nominations for the biggest maoist in the country uh today i i think we it's we have to stand up against this stuff we have to start pointing these people out because this is this is insanity did you insanity hear, hear the thing on. in michigan where uh gretchen whitmer said if you have if you have a vacation home you know and a lot of michiganders do because they've got some great lakes to have yeah. cabins on and all right. that they can't even go to their own home it, like if they have two homes they can't go to the other one what why well, because you're you're spreading your potential virus around a different community, then. But you're in your home, <laughs> right? But you've but, gone from one place to another, and you've brought new germs with you. I guess in your car, in the, in the car, and in the air. I, in I, the car, I don't fully. I mean, understand I don't understand this. I leave my home. I get into my car. I pull up mm-hmm. to my driveway of my cabin on some lake in Michigan, and might be even make Lake Michigan, and I, I. <laughs> 
I get out of my car, right, and we go right into my other home. How am I spreading anything? Well, it is possible, Glenn, that you could go to one of the local businesses and purchase something, maybe some food, and take it out and bring it back home, and then you've spread your germs around the community, and we can't have that. But I would be doing that. I'd be doing that in my other community. Do you think you live in America or something? What? I mean, what? I mean, what I just, do you I'm think you to, are to be able to do this stuff? I know. What? I know. Have you heard the like of this? Listen to this guy. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, did you hear what she did with uh, the DeVos family? No. You know, because Michigan is one of these that are, they're having these. They, they want to start gathering in their cars and protest her. Um, and, uh, and, and she said, it's the DeVos family that is doing this. They're funding all of this, blah, 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 blah. Well, the DeVos family is the, is the, um, the owner and the, the, the originator of Amway. And, uh, so they checked, you know, did, did the DeVos family, are they starting this? And they did write a pretty big check. Uh, to help fund this thing. Uh, it was all of really? $250. $250. <laughs> That's and, good. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah, she said it's their money <laughs> that they're spreading around that is, that's causing all of this trouble. And, so and, great. uh, it was two hundred fifty dollars. Uh, so <laughs> those damn DeVos people are just they're, they're horrible, aren't they? Oh, so man. the next day she had to come out and make a statement. She did not apologize to the DeVos family. She just in her in her briefing, she said, and I just want to thank Amway. They have really been helping with the PPEs and they've been helping with disinfectants and everything else. And they've really played a real role, an important role in our state. Oh, man. Really? <laughs> I mean, she's out of control. Oh. Uh, I got an email in from uh, a police officer. He said, Glenn, I'm a 34-year-old police officer in Iowa. I've been listening to you since I was 16. I want to thank you for being such a strong, clear voice of reason and principle for so many years. Several years ago, I had conversation with my sergeant's assistant chief and the chief about constitutionality of some of the orders that were given by governors throughout the country. I'm happy to say that some are very concerned about governmental overreach. However, some were more concerned about the spread of the virus. I've revisited these conversations several times with them as time has gone on and more and more stories of people being arrested and fined for exercising their constitutional rights have come out. I've made it known that I will not violate the Constitution, that I swore an oath to uphold and protect regardless of what our governor says. I've not received any backlash yet, but I haven't been in a position yet where I had to defy orders, even while our mayor is asking the public to call police if they suspect anyone of violating the governor's orders. I just mm. want you to know that while there are many people who seem to be paving the road to hell with good intentions, there are many of us who take our oaths to the Constitution with grave seriousness. I hope, God willing, that this passes soon and cooler heads will prevail. Thanks again for the service you've done for the country, blah, blah, blah. Thank you very much. Um, I, I, I find great hope in this. You know, yesterday I watched um, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington uh, with the kids. And you know, they were like, the ones that don't have color. Why? It's black and white. I don't watch your show. Uh, and Cheyenne said afterwards, this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's a really great story. And if that isn't the story of our times, I mean, think of the guts that it took in mm -hmm. 1939 to make that movie where the movie is about graft in in the Senate and passing these big, these huge 
uh, bills just to save the farmers and the workers. But what's tucked inside of the bills is toxic. And uh, Jimmy Stewart is sent to Washington and he doesn't know anything about it. And and uh, he figures it out along the way and stops it. Think of that in 1939. But think about that today. That's exactly what's going on today. And Thomas Massey is Mr. Smith. I think that's a good analogy. He he really is. And he's getting the same kind of flack, too, from both sides of the aisle. And it's it's really a shame because he's such a good guy, a patriot a true conservative and he's he's getting hammered he's i mean is there anybody who's uh, other than us in this room that are siding with thomas massey right now i don't think so i think yeah i think are shapiro there a few? is isn't he yeah uh, i think there are maybe maybe shapiro I, uh, but it's they're few and far I between think, i think i think mark levin is as well i yeah I, i'm not sure but i, I will say that i know we can fast forward a year or two and there will be a lot of people who very much embrace the idea that the spending of $2.2 trillion was probably worth a vote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know it's Go crazy. on the record for it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a wild theory <laughs> that a couple trillion dollars, the biggest you know package we've ever put together in, in U.S. history. Maybe we should have had the representatives on the record as to where they felt on that. I don't know. That's pretty it's picky. Wild you're pretty one. picky if that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I have to tell you, I think I think that there is um, I think there's something bad brewing. Uh, possibly, uh, you know, the, the stock market, everybody's talking about the stock market's coming back up. Look, the stock market, of course, the stock market is doing well. They just got two trillion dollars from the Fed. Of course, the stock market is doing well. Um, this this idea about the stock market being our benchmark and nobody is talking about the small businessman in America is sickening. I mean, I really think every time I see, did you guys see the story of uh, the uh, the Chiron and MSNBC from uh, Jim Cramer? He was doing a deal where he said the stock market had its best day since 1939. Well, of course it was. Jim, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. There are no metrics involved on anything anymore. Say what you want. The reason why the stock market is doing well is because they've already got their money. And Mm. we all paid for it. Every taxpayer paid $16,500. That's the chain around our neck. We each paid that. And most taxpayers are not going to get the $1,200 uh, you know, as a free gift from the United States government. So wait a minute, I paid sixteen five, and you're giving me twelve hundred back. I don't think that sounds like a good deal <laughs> because I'm not helping saving the businesses in my neighborhood. They're all standing in line, and everybody's saying, "Well, no, you don't have the right uh, the right parameters. You haven't been in business long enough. You know, you don't have this. You don't have this, or we're already out of money." Oh, okay. Well, that sounds like they're really bailing out Main Street. I, I think there's trouble coming. Real trouble. It's hard for me to believe, too, that they... Look, they they approved $350 billion for the small business uh, loan plan, the PPP. And it's already going to be empty. Uh, the, the only reason it's not empty yet is because they've had so many delays. But it's like they all know it's going over. They, they've already asked for another $250 billion, which, uh, you know... 
they have not approved and now they're not going to be in session until at least like may 8th is the earliest they're going to have a chance to vote on this with the current schedule all of these small businesses all of these small going out of business they're they're all going out of business and the only business that will be left are the big businesses in america and that's not who we are we are not just procter and gamble and and amazon we are the amazon that was at the beginning we're the microsoft with bill gates in his garage that's who we are we're the ones where a guy has an idea and he starts to build it if you get rid of all of the entrepreneurs if you get rid of all of these people who you you get rid of all the people who are struggling but making it what do you have left i don't want to i I, I'm, i'm not interested in saving ge and Procter and Gamble and and Amazon.com, they got enough. Oh, and by the way, did you also see that the airlines got the bailout? But Donald Trump insisted that w- they not only pay it b- pay it back, which I'm fine with, I'm great with that, but he also insisted that we get a piece of it, that the United States mm-hmm. government becomes uh, a co-owner in these airlines. Excuse me? No, thank you. I don't think the United States government should have anything to do with any business whatsoever, period. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Our next guest grew up on a farm and a ranch in Hamlin County, South Dakota. And from the time she could walk, she worked beside her dad on the ranch and worked with horses and cattle. And maybe that's what gave her a little bit of extra common sense. She's now serving as South Dakota's 33rd governor, and she joins us now. Hello, Governor. How are you? Hi, Glenn. I'm doing good. It's, uh, it's great to have you on. I want to go over what you announced on uh, Monday. Uh, and what you're doing and why this sets you guys apart from from everybody else with well, hydroxychloroquine. We yeah, we did. We announced the first a statewide uh, state-backed clinical trial of hydroxychloroquine. Uh, it's a, we really desired to go on offense against this virus. So we partnered with our healthcare systems. Leading the clinical trial will be Sanford Health. But we also have two other systems within the state of South Dakota that are participating as well to make sure that we're getting a wide swath of individuals participating in this trial. So it will be the first ever statewide one and one that a state is helping to fund and facilitate that will encompass virtually uh, 80 to 90 percent of our doctors in the state and up to 100,000 people throughout the process. So. Uh, we're focused on making sure that we're not just dealing with taking care of our people, but also putting the research in to make sure we have a long-term solution to help fight this virus. And what made you decide to do this? Uh, I mean, if you look at the press, everyone is is downplaying high, uh, hydroxychloroquine. Well, we have a healthcare system, Sanford, that's world-renowned for their research abilities, and, and they've been working in several different areas. To have that kind of capacity in our state is a, a real gift to us. And I was watching what was happening across the country uh, and everybody reacting to the virus and not being proactive to really make sure we were getting in front of it, that we could give a therapeutic to folks 
so that they didn't necessarily have to hide from the virus. They could get out there and fight it off and make sure that they could get back to their daily lives as well. So um, for me, it was it's part of the solution. Uh, you know, we're doing um, some you know, recommendations to folks to follow CDC guidance. And we're also making sure that we're using technology to do contact tracing, but then having the ability to have this drug trial in our state for such a wide percentage of our population allows us to really go on offense and go after this and make sure we have an option for those individuals who do get sick. When I heard about this, uh, that you were going to do this last weekend, I knew you were going to be dragged through the mud by the press. Washington Post didn't, uh, you know, pull any punches on that. It gave the uh, expected response. They said that you were the one who said there's not going to be a statewide order to stay home. Uh, It's the individuals, not the government should decide. And now you've got a meat processing plant with 400 people that are sick. Do you want to respond to that at all? Well, you know, that article is completely inaccurate, um, and it doesn't surprise me because I've seen it a lot, not just in national press, but even here locally with details being left out of articles. But, you know, the, the pork processing plant that we do have today that's a hot spot that we have an outbreak going on there is a critical infrastructure business, regardless on if I had chosen to put a shelter in place order across the state of South Dakota that plant would have been up and operating because it's such an important part of our food supply. And it frankly, having it running is a national security issue. So uh, that would have not impacted that issue, but you know, the post decided to not use the facts and, and run with an agenda that, that I think is unfortunate for the public. I think it's a grave disservice to our public when they don't tell all the facts because they're misleading yeah. them and creating this fear culture at a very important time to discredit people that um, our scientists, our doctors, our researchers, our elected officials during a period of time when we need to rely on the fact that they uh, have information and have access to information. Uh, To do that at an important time like this, when literally it's the difference between life and death, I think is a shame. Now you have, because there are those cases for the meat processing plant, but outside of that, how many how many people are sick in your state? We have uh, less than a thousand positive COVID nineteen cases in the state of South Dakota. About three hundred of them are recovered, um, but but the vast majority of the cases are are tied to this meat processing plant, and in that county that's affected. So we have over five hundred cases that are tied directly to that incident there. So we are right. we also are coming up with more positive cases because we're aggressively testing in that area. You know, we put all of our resources there um, to be proactively testing people, isolating them, doing the contact tracing to to tamp it down. So the rest of our state is doing very, very well. Uh, and we'll get this one under control and make sure that we're slowing down the spread. But I think what I've constantly had to remind the public is The science of this virus tells us we can't stop it. Um, So we have to use the facts that we have in front of us just to slow it down so that we can take care of people in our healthcare systems. So that's been my constant message to the people of South Dakota and that all the control in the world is in their hands, that, that they have a personal responsibility to make good decisions to take care of themselves and their families. Uh, And I I will do all that I can to partner with them, but ultimately that responsibility does lie with them. 
So before we before we change subjects, I want to stay on the meat processing plant one more time because I want to get ahead of something that I think could be damaging from the other side, the conspiracy theory mm-hmm. side. This is a, a meat meat processing plant that had been sold to China, um, but and I know that there have been stories. Then you know people have been saying, "Oh, it's Chinese meat. It's not Chinese meat. It's all American meat. It's just owned by China." But have you found patient zero yet? Has there was there anyone in the factory that had traveled to China or uh, somebody from China that traveled to the factory or or not? Do you know? We do know who patient zero is because we obviously have identified every single person and have been working with them in the state of South Dakota that did test positive. We do not have any ties um, to China from this outbreak at this plant. And I think that you know, this is a this is a plant that originally there was a couple of positive cases, but a lot of the spread that we're seeing is happening outside the plant. The plant is on pause right now. Uh, we've seen a growth in cases, but a lot of the folks who work here um, to deliver our nation's food supply, you know, they live in close quarters. They've got a lot of family members um, and neighbors um, in housing developments that are they're sometimes two to three generations uh, very closely living together. So a lot of that spread is happening at home. And this plant in particular has up to, I think, 70 different languages spoken at it. There's 3,700 employees there. So, you know, there's, it's a unique situation um, that, that I think, uh, you know, people have been blaming, blaming the plant and uh, when a lot of the spread is happening outside of the walls of the plant. And that's why we, Uh, have a pause going on to put up mitigation measures inside the plant and then also do an education process with a lot of the folks that work there. I have a a guest on who is a guy who watches the cattle auctions and, uh, you know, he's he's really big in the cattle industry and people would know Mm -hmm. him. The average media person would not. Um, But he's he just issued a report recently that said that we are we have plenty of cattle. There's lots of cattle coming up ready for auction. But uh, there's no slaughterhouses. There, there are no processing plants to, to get this meat from farm to table. How concerned are you about the, the food supply uh, when it comes to meat? Well, a small disruption uh, in the system um, has huge effects across our food supply chain. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that this plant is so important. This is a pork processing plant, but it's the same in the cattle industry um, and, and we have it's, a, it's the um, largest it's the largest pork uh plant in the country is it not it is it's very large and, yeah. and it feeds other plants that refine the products even more that end up on your grocery store shelves so uh, we have 550 producers you know and a lot of them south dakota producers that take their hogs there um, and then uh, that food ends up you know right here on american shelves to feed feed folks each and every day. And, you know, the virus does not travel through food products. So that is one thing that I think we have to really be aggressive in telling folks as they get concerned about the food that would be coming through this plant. And that just absolutely um, is not even a factor. Um, The food is wonderful and it will be safe for people to eat. Um, But, you know, I think in the cattle market, too, we see a lot of manipulation. Uh, There's some investigations that need to happen with our packing industry and control and a lot as this gets streamlined and as it becomes more and more efficient, it also allows for a few players to manipulate the markets and the supply yeah. chain. And that's why I've said for years, um, Glenn, and I haven't known you for years, but I have said for years that 
It's important we keep family farms uh, because it's important we grow our own food in this country. Um, yep. We never want another. We never want another country to control our food supply because then they control us. And if we have one or two people controlling the whole supply chain, we're in the exact same situation. Mm-hmm. So um, this this diversity, having 550 different producers that feed into this one plant, um, is important because it's diversity yeah. and it's uh, it's the it's the making sure that we do have a national security issue um, taken care of because we don't have one person controlling our entire food supply. I think the America first, or as the hippies would say, think globally, act locally is beginning to ring true to more and more Americans right now. It is. I think there's a lot of things that are ringing true to Americans today. It's, it's about the importance of this country, uh, what makes us special, uh, the importance of the constitution, what powers it gives to the people and to the states and to the federal government. And I've decided that every opportunity I have, I'm going to use it to educate folks really on why um, the United States of America is the best country in the world and why it deserves to be preserved. And in times of crisis is when you see people um, overstep and grab power. And we're seeing that in so many places of the country. And I took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States when I served in Congress, and I took an oath to uphold the Constitution here in the state of South Dakota, and I'm constantly guided and and using that as my foundation in every decision that I make, and then talking about it to people about why it's important. I think a lot of people think at a time of crisis is when you can wave that aside and, and take any action you think is necessary. I think that's when our constitution and foundations become even more important um, yes. because it helps you yes. make wise decisions based on facts and based on science and not be manipulated um, emotionally into making poor decisions that aren't for the benefit of the people you know it's a it's amazing uh to me you're, uh, a you're exactly right um on you know when the constitution matters is when it's popular to do the other thing um, it, it was also amazing to me that people uh, have flocked to the government taking more and more power uh, and that you have been such an outlier um, and been hammered by the national press uh, because you gave, I think, some of the you've given some of the best statements of anyone in this crisis talking about the rights of the people and it's up to the people to take care of themselves. Has it been shocking to you to be on the receiving end of such backlash just for standing up for the American principle? No, I would say it hasn't been. I mean, I think I, I I came from this wanting to be, I wanted to be a farmer and rancher my whole life. (laughs) My whole life kind of got turned Mm -hmm. upside down when my dad was killed in an accident. But, you know, I served in the state legislature. I was in leadership here. I went to Congress for eight years. I got a good education on the divisiveness of politics and the national media. I would say that that um, that I have to keep my focus on, I, I do my job and I take my job very seriously. And um, I also know that when I campaign for a role I tell people who I am and what my, what kind of person I am, my values and my beliefs and show them and talk to them about how I will use those to make decisions that are best for them. 
Um, and I, I also will, will be accountable to explaining that to them. So while we've done a great job here in South Dakota, um, taking care of folks and, and doing all that we can to get ahead of this virus and be proactive, I think it's also important to remind people um, about the rights that they have individually as well, too. So many times uh, I see people wanting somebody else to make decisions for them when in reality uh, they need to recognize the value and the special thing we have in this country is we get to make these decisions for ourselves. Um, I have the uh, I, I'm, stations. I know I'm running really late. Let me just ask one more quick question of the governor. And that is, when are we going to see any results from the testing that you're doing now with hydroxychloroquine? Well, we have patients on hydroxy today. Uh, we, we I asked uh, the White House and the administration if they would help us by supplying 1.2 million doses of hydroxy to participate in this trial. There'll be two different branches of the trial, one that will be for COVID-19 positive patients. The other branch will be for those that um, have been exposed and also for healthcare workers and individuals that are high risk. Again, these trials we have enough doses to treat up to 100,000 people in the state of South Dakota mm-hmm. and having all three of our systems on board makes it extremely comprehensive. So uh, right. they are on it. it. It is starting. It is all voluntary uh, and people are excited about having an option that they can go to with their doctor right. that not only will help them feel better and save their possibly save their families' lives, but also um, lead to a long-term solution to fight off this virus and potentially more in the future. Um, South Dakotans have always stepped up and been willing to contribute in in ways uh, above and beyond what I think other folks across the country have. I, I always say we punch above our weight, and I think that we um, we are definitely doing that, and people are excited to be a part of the solution. Really glad to see you, Governor. Thank you so much. We've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. You have a bunch of fans at the Blaze and on the Glenn Beck program and all of the shows here. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll keep you in our prayers. Thank you so much.